Welcome, welcome, welcome to the broadcast today. I know what we're about to say, and it's going to help you. I promise you that. And so you stay tuned. Hey, right now, you got time. Send a text, get on the phone, tell someone what station, tell them to get on this thing, because I'm going to say some things today about you, the great ministry of helps. In fact, I'm holding in my hand a series I did uh, not too long ago, all on the ministry of helps, because every Christian everywhere has been called by God to be in his ministry. The ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of helps are like me, the fivefold ministry. And this is all about the ministry of helps. And you are going to like this. This will zero you in. I, I know it will. This is going to zero you in to what you're called to do and how you can get in your place in this kingdom. I call you blessed today. I'm so excited you're joining me. I love the Bible. I love the army of God. I love church. I don't know if you do or not, but I do. And I can tell you this, it's going to come out of my teaching. It's going to come out of my spirit today to bring you strength. I know it is. And it's going to help you stabilize in the things of God. So uh, as fast as you can, call, write, get on the internet, get this series, The Ministry of Helps, and then get your Bible out and get ready because here I come. Before I get into the heart of the message I have for tonight, I want to redefine to you what we mean by MOH, Ministry of Helps. And uh, we keep going back to our anchor verse, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28, how God set in the church, apostle, you know, first possible, secondarily prophets, etc. Healing, miracles, you know, uh, tongues, interpretation, the Bible says in the New Testament. But then it says this word helps and the word governments, which in some versions and in the Greek language means administrations. I believe that God has called, gifted, and anointed some of you with administrations that you can go in and administer, administrate, say, the nursery. It's got to be staffed. It's got to be cleaned. It's got to be, you know, supplied for. And uh, that takes a person and you got to schedule the right people in there and, and et cetera. And so is it with every team or every area of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the greatest things that you and I could ever learn is that God called us, uh, sure, to go to heaven. That's the ultimate gift is salvation. But God called you and me to have a place in this great kingdom. You never retire from that. Why? Because the gift lasts until you take your last breath. Amen. Oh, you, you know, you might get older and do something different or sometimes preachers turn 95 and they let the young guys preach for a while or something like that. But you don't ever lose it in here. You don't ever get a retired mentality that I'm, I don't do anything anymore. I just come to church and sit around. That will never be the case in the eyes of God. He'll always have a place for you and me. And that's the beauty of a true church is that we have young people all the way to senior citizens, maybe senior, senior citizens, Right. And everybody's involved. There's no reason that we don't have, you know, you know, our kids, children, uh, we'll say at least teenagers, all the way to the true elders, that everybody's involved in serving the king of glory and has a great place in this kingdom. Can I have an amen on it? Amen. And so as we talked about this morning, 
you'll face the judgment call, the judgment seat of Christ at the end of uh, your journey and as you enter heaven. And one of the things we'll be asked, I know we will, one of the things we'll be asked is, what did you do with the gift I gave you? The gift to serve, the gift to help, the gift to build the church, the gift to win the loss. What'd you do with it? What'd you do with it? That's why you have the, ta- the parable of the talents. How many talents did the one guy have? And then the other guy? And then the other guy. And what did Jesus say to the guy that only had one? Because he only had one, he did nothing with it but hide it. Pardon me? He was considered a wicked servant. And that which he had was taken away from him. I'm not sure what all that means, I think, when it comes to eternity. But, but certainly it's not a good sign. Now, there's nothing wrong with one talent. Now, when I say talent, I don't mean you can dance or you, you can saw. Or you, you, I'm not talking about that. Kind of, I'm t- the talent there means the treasure that God gave you in your life to help other people. That's the talent. And this, this, this is a beautiful parable because one guy only had one talent. So what, did he feel worthless? Because the other guy's got five and ten. So does he feel little? Does he feel uh, fearful, Randy said? Is, he, is, he, is that how this guy feels? Uh, is he embarrassed because he's only got one? Does he think being a one-talent guy isn't important enough to have a true place so the contribution isn't valuable enough? So what's the big deal? Or he just went and hid it like maybe if I spend it, it'll be gone and they'll be done with me and I have nowhere else to go. Uh, maybe all of the above, but I do know this, that God gave every one of them a talent or more, a gift, a treasury or more to serve him in his great kingdom. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. amen. Now, I want you to turn with me, if you will, to First uh, Samuel chapter 14. Amen. Now, that wasn't just like all introduction. It's part of what I want to say tonight. And First uh, Samuel chapter 14 is one of the, to me, one of the most powerful set of verses about the call of God that's on your life and mine. Do not, just while you're turning there, First Samuel chapter 14. Do don't you ever let people or the devil or your own mind tell you that you're insignificant you don't count, you're, you're too little, you're not important enough, what you do is no big deal because every little thing is covered. And, and I know this from reading the Bible. I know this from four decades plus of serving in God's house. But let me tell you what else I know. When God wanted that ark built, he didn't say, Noah, just build it any old way you want to. Who cares? Just make it float. No, he gave very specific instructions. And when it was done, I mean, he even told Noah what to build it out of. And and right down to a cubit, how big it was supposed to be. Then he told Noah that uh, he was supposed to put two of every creature, male and female, on board. Right? And then what? Something else on board. What else? The sacrificial animals by seven That way, when they landed and got off, they could do sacrifice unto God. You know, let's just say it was doves. Uh, Put sevenfold dove on board because 
once we do the sacrifice, we still want to have one male and one female left so they can replenish. So God in his plan was not just rescuing eight people. He rescued an, an entire creation. And, uh, and thank God for that. Right? But he also covered uh, the, the idea of worshiping him and starting afresh and new with the altar of God. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. And uh, I, I, I've always thought if God was that touchy, if that's the right word, maybe not, maybe meticulous, specific, to build that ark to save eight people, wouldn't he be even more particular, specific, and meticulous about building the ark of the last days, which is the New Testament church, to, to win millions of people out from under the judgment? I think so. I think so. And that's why this spirit of helps that everybody can do something. Now, I don't want to get deep into what I'm about to say, but I want to say it. The reason Noah's family got out of that judgment is because they helped build the ark. Not because they're relatives. One of the heartbreaking things for you and me living in the last days is we're going to witness people, friends, and even loved ones go to hell die and go to hell and just reject Jesus Christ or run from the church and blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And, the, and, and it's a heartbreaker because you can, number one, you can't ever figure out why anybody would choose that way. But number two, uh, the Bible predicts that it will happen. God's not causing it to happen. People are causing it to happen. But that's, that's discouraging. But it also should be a motivational factor. It should be motivation for you and me to say even even more reason why we got to keep God's church hot. Even more reason why we got to keep the word going out. Even more reason why we got to be found at the altar. Even more reason why we have to be an effective ministry. Because if people, if, if, if the church goes carnal and the church goes cool, then then... Not only does the church not stand a chance, but the world has nobody to turn to. Amen. Now, according to this book that I'm holding in my hand, um, I don't see one verse that says a Buddhist will go to heaven. Neither a Muslim. Neither a New Ager that doesn't know Jesus Christ. Neither a witch. And on goes the list. All, when I read this book from cover to cover... All I see is that if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, being there's only one name by which a man can escape eternal damnation, Jesus the Christ, then all the other religions are what? Dead? False? At least they don't get you to heaven unless you just don't believe the Bible. I happen to just believe the Bible. And I don't think, I think if there was another way, God would have said so. But there is not. Are you still listening to me? All right. So did you find 1 Samuel yet? Wow, it's about time, you guys. Come on. 1 Samuel 14, verse 1. Follow along for a minute. It's an awesome story. And it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, Jonathan was a mighty captain in the army. And Jonathan, or maybe in our time we would say general. And Jonathan, the son of Saul, that's King Saul, Said unto the young man that bare his armor, say, armor bearer. This is what he says to him. Come and let us go over to the Philistines. That's the enemy. Garrison. That's their camp. Their fort. 
that is on the other side. But he told not his father. Two, and Saul tarried in the othermost parts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. And Ahiah, the son of Ahitub, what a name, Ahitub. <laughs> but then again, his brother is Ichabod, which means God has departed. Man, this family's in trouble. They need Jesus. And the son of Phinehas and the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. Verse 4. And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over onto the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other was Sina. Sharp rock means a cliff. A cliff. So, you know, there's a cliff on one side, there's a cliff on the other side. Still with me? Verse 5. The forefront of the one was situated northward over against Mishmash, and the other southward over against Gebeah. I don't know. A high tub lived in mishmash. That don't get it, does it? <laughs> Verse 6. And Jonathan said to the... This is, this, is, this is one of the most powerful couple of verses in your Bible. And Jonathan, remember he's the general, he's, a, he's the warrior, said to the young man that bear his armor, Come, let us go over onto the fort or garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. That's real encouraging, maybe. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Seven. And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all this in thine heart. Turn thee. Behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. Now look up here just a minute. Do you understand at all what we just read? This guy, this warrior just told his helper, hey, we're going to let, you know, there's two of us. Let's go attack and pick a fight with the enemy army. Not out in a field and not in the woods, but over there where they're, where they're hunkered down and they've got protection in their garrison. Let's just go over there and uh, we'll pick a fight with them. Because it's been known before that God moves for a few. I know what that young guy's thinking. A few? How about two? <laughs> Actually, the, the, the young guy's not a warrior. He's an armor bearer. So it's like one and a half. Amen. Verse 8. Then said Jonathan, Behold, we'll pass over onto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. In other words, we're just going to go over there and tell them we're here. If they say thus unto us, Tarry until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and will not go up unto them. But if they say, verse 10, Come up unto us, then we will go up. For the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto them. Wow. You couldn't even get 2015 people to go to church based on that right there. Let alone put your life on the line. I'm picking on you. 
Wow, seriously? Do you know what he just said? We're going to get there. We're going to yell at them and let them know we're here. Now, here's what I'm going to yell at them. Now, if they yell back, we're coming to get you. We'll just stand still and battle the battle. But if they yell back to us and say, oh, yeah, we'll come and get us. That will be our sign that God's on our side and we're going to go, you and me, and we're going to wipe out the enemy army. Where do you find a guy like this? Wow. And then they start mocking them. Look at verse 11. And both of them, you know, showed up, discovered themselves, appeared unto the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they have hid themselves. That's not a compliment. They're yelling back at these at Jonathan and his armor bearer. And they're saying, oh, look at here. The little scaredy cats came out of the hole. They're little foxholes, we call it. They come out of their holes where they've been hiding. Wow. Twelve and the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, which one do you think they're going to say? Let's see. Come up to us. We'll show you a thing. We would say, we'll show you a thing or two because we're advanced in our society showing people a thing. So we would say a thing or two. And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, you follow after me for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. (laughs) We're talking to people. This is awesome. I love this guy. Verse 13. And Jonathan climbed up Upon his hands and upon his feet. Why do you do that? It's a cliff. This is the most unorthodox, non-military attack in the history of Bible times. Two guys taking on an army that's in their own garrison, and you got to climb a cliff to get to them. This is this is this is really a fight to pick right here. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and his feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell, the enemy, before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. 14. And that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men. That's not all. That's the first group they ran into. The first slaughter. Within, as it were, a half acre of land. I don't know what a half acre is. Not, is it as big as this building here? So, Jack, the builder, says it's 104 by 208. I know you all just pictured what that really means. That'd be like Elma Lee telling me what she put in a pie. All I know is give it to me on a plate and a fork. Praise God. Thank you, Jack. It really helped us out. <laughs> About the size of this Dina, I love you. Jack needs you more as the time goes by, I promise you. All right, anyways. And in that short space, 20 men fell, wherein as it were a half acre of land, which a yoke of oxen might plow. Now look at verse 15. That's what I want to zero in on just a minute. And there was a trembling... In the host 
you could say and in the field and among all the people, the garrison, the spoilers, they also trembled and the earth quaked. So it was a very great trembling. Still with me? And you can keep reading this powerful story. What happened here? A rumor spread. When those two guys wiped out 20 professional soldiers in their own camp, it set a tremor. I don't just mean a natural earthquake. There's something more fierce than a natural natural earthquake. And that is when the tremor rushes through the hearts of other people. And they say, oh my God, did you hear what happened over there? Two of those Hebrew guys. And one started out with no weapons. He was the bearer of the armor of the other guy. And they wiped out 20 of our best soldiers on the firing line to protect the fort. And it just, and it says, look at what it says. I'll read it again. There was a trembling that went to the host. That's the army to the field. Now we're talking about soldiers now. They're down there. They're not even in the camp. There was no internet. Nobody posted anything. They put a runner on a horse and said, gallop. And get out there and tell them we're in trouble. If two of these God-fearing people can take out 20 of our best soldiers, we're in trouble. Not just in the camp, but out in the field and in the spoilers. And it trembled throughout the earth. My God, God Almighty is with these people that claim to know his name. That's what cancer should do. When that cancer tries to grow in your body, that cancer should begin to shriek. The minute prayer is made and oil is broke out, oh my God, cancer should say, oh my God, the Christians are on the scene and they don't back down. And, 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 and then here comes the testimonies. I fought the lion. I fought the bear. Are you listening to me, please? Yeah. Yeah. This is what poverty and debt and lack those demons that are behind that, they should fear and tremble and say, oh my God, the Christians have learned how to whip us. If just one, that's why I testify all the time, not just to encourage you, of course to encourage you, but not just, I testify all the time because I want to keep saying out there, if just two of us, if just two of us can literally beat poverty, debt, and lack, I'm talking about me and Vicky. if just two of us can beat that, and live outside of that, are you listening? Then the tremor can go through the land and these demons say, oh my God, those Christians, they're tithing and they're giving and they're praying and, and, and I'm, I'm making them financially crippled, the devil says. And God just keeps coming through from them and it echoes through the region of the damned and they begin to back off and say those God people are to be feared. Those God people are to be feared. I love Jonathan. This, uh, I, I, I love his courage. I love his trust in God. That he would just go take on the enemy. 
and know that somehow his God was going to move and even tell the guy with him, hey, listen, God, it's been proven that God has moved for a couple of us before. We don't have to have the whole army over there with Saul. We don't have to call my dad. Remember, it said his dad didn't know. We don't have to summons my dad and bring, you know, 200, 600 soldiers. Let's just go with God and wipe these, these enemies, these, these uncircumcised out. You understand, don't you, that when you see the word uncircumcised in the Bible, that is a covenant. That's covenant talk. When Jonathan said to his armor bearer, we're going to go deal with these uncircumcised. He, he could have said that different. He could have said, we're in covenant with Jehovah God, and there's not a demon on this earth, and there's not an army that can beat us. We're circumcised. They're uncircumcised. You can say the same thing. We're born again. They're not. Uh-huh. We're born again. They're not. That's, that's covenant talk. It's covenant talk. When you open your mouth, Christian, and you say, I'll live and not die. I will rise out of this. I will repent of this sin. When you say, I'll repent of sin, every demon in your life grabs you by the backside, by the back of the neck, and pulls you the other way. And oh, you just got to turn around and say, listen, you uncircumcised, you foul demon, you have no covenant with God. I'm the covenant child with God, and my God and I will win. Every single day of my life, people ask me, Brother Barclay, what about this? What about that? What do I do about this? How can I fix that? Wow, sometimes they're pretty deep questions. But a lot of people are hurting. Maybe you are. Maybe you're not. A lot of people just don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. But that's why I put this series together to help you find your ministry. Now, I'm glad if you'll help me do my ministry. I hope you pray for me. In fact, I wish you'd send an offering and help me preach. Uh, It doesn't go in my pocket, you know. I'm not asking you to send me money. Send money to help the ministry do the job of getting this word out like this. But uh, I want to help you find your ministry. And that's why we put this series together. You can call the number right now on the screen. It's not too late, you know, and uh, jump on the web store at our website. Uh, You can email us. You can write us. I want you to get this series. The people will tell you what to do to get this ship to you as fast as we possibly can. Amen. Oh, I hope you enjoyed the broadcast. You know, I'm just working hard. So is my team here to try to bring a good word to you, a life-changing word to do to you, and a stabilizing word. A lot of things are shaky and wishy-washy. We want to help stabilize you and make life a whole lot stronger and a whole lot better for you. 
Thanks for being my friend and partner. Send me a note, send me a gift to preach with, and I'll see you on the next broadcast.